series today called Thanks Bringing. Thanks Bringing. It's not a typo. That's Thanks Bringing. And it's a great time of the year. Thanksgiving is a great time of the year. I know we're only a couple of weeks away and we're not far from uh, planning maybe a great family outing. It's the big meal. Come on a trip away maybe for some of you. Time off school for all the kids. They love that. Time off work. I don't know how many days you get off, but there's some time off. And it's a time where we can just truly reflect and thank God for all his wonderful blessings that he has given to our lives. We need more than a day. We need more than a week to be able to do that. But thank God that we have the opportunity. And it's more than that as we look at this great nation, the nation that we live in, the nation that you were born in, the nation that I'm now a citizen of and proudly of. But it's amazing that we think of Thanksgiving, and I'm not giving the Americans, the British guys, not giving the Americans a history lesson. So just know that. But just when you look back at Thanksgiving, the first day, when those came over, the pilgrims, they came over risking everything for a freedom of worship, a freedom of religion. And when they came here, they didn't know what to expect, but through the hardships and the pains and everything that they had to endure, the first Thanksgiving day, they thanked God that they were able to harvest a harvest that was going to be able to sustain them that was going to be able to help them, that they knew they were going to be able to make it through the winter, through the barren times. But also, I believe, it gave them hope that said, you're going to make it, period. And really, in essence, that's what this series is all going to be about. That's To sum it up, almost, is like that. That we want to give every one of you hope that even through the hardest times, you're able to make it through. That with God, it doesn't matter how hard circumstances and situations become. The darker the night, come on, the bleaker the winter, all the adversities and trials that you may face throughout this series. And every week we want to give you hope that says you can make it, you can make it if you place your hope and trust. In God's Word, if you're obedient to do what God's Word instructs us to do, we're going to make it through anything in life. And we're not just going to make it through, we're going to make it through blessed. We're going to make it through better than the way we went into it. Can I hear an amen in the house? So I titled this month, not Thanksgiving, but Thanks Bringing. Because this month we're going to teach you biblical principles When it comes to your money. Say with me right now, my money. money. Come on, say it like you really feel it. Come on, my money. 
Come on, say it like someone's touching your stuff. You say, hey, get your hands off. That's my money. Come on, say it with an attitude today. Come on, say it one more time. Okay, I asked you to say that and repeat that with me because that's the last time I want you to say that. That's the last time I want you to think that because here's the underlining truth of where we're going to begin this month. And that is this. It's all God's. Come on, say with me, God's money. God's money, because that's the truth. It's God's money. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's His. And it's actually all His. The problems I have, the problems you'll have in your life, when is you begin to consider what you have is yours. You begin to say, well, that's my money. Then what do you do? You hold on to it. You hoard it. You keep it for yourself. Come on. You want to make the decisions for it because it's mine. You are the one that's in complete control of it. And when you live in a place like that, you are cursing your life. Yes, you heard me right. I said, you are cursing your life. And I want you to hold that thought because we're going to come back to that later on in the message. Look at this statement. I cannot give what is not mine. Come on, I can't give what's not mine. And you've got to understand what we just said. You've got to realize that. Everything I have is not mine. It's been given to me by God. It's God's. It's God's. It's God. You may say, well, Pastor Philip, hold on a second. I don't agree with that. The reason I have a job, the reason I'm smart, the reason why I'm creative, the reason why I'm a great person, the reason why is obviously because of all the hard work, because I studied hard, because I paid attention, because I took the risks, because I did what was required wrong. Our survey says, uh, uh, wrong. Yes, you played a part in it. Or let me say it this way. You played a part with it. But it's all yours now because what? God gave you the ability you possess to be able to do today what you do. The job you have today is God gave you that job. The abilities in the mind that you have, God gave those to you. And the first thing that we're going to realize through this series is this. It's not mine, it's all His. Come on, say that with me. It's all His. It's all God's. I wouldn't have anything if He hadn't given it to me. And I know still so many struggle with this. And and I began to think about that. And I thought about Job. Has anyone ever heard about Job in the Bible? You know, one person said, turn to the book of Job. You know that guy, Job, Job in the Bible? He went through some tough stuff. His eyes were open to the realization of what we're trying to present to you in a moment. In one day, Job lost everything he had except his wife. The only thing that was left with his wife, and as you read through the book of Job, some days he wished God had taken her too. Come on, help me out right now. Uh Uh-oh. But you know what? And here's a whole other message, but it goes with this message too. You know why God left him his wife? Because he left him the ability to be able to reproduce. Come on, God has given every one of us, when it feels like we've got nothing, I'm telling you right now, we still possess the ability to reproduce. Come on, you've got to hear me with that. We still possess. Why? Because as long as Christ is involved, there's still hope. There's still life. There is still future. 
And look what Job's response was when he lost his oxen, he lost his sheep, he lost his camels, he lost his servant. His children were taken from him. As I said, all in one day, as one person was talking about one disaster, another came in and another came in. He was just bombarded. And in one day, he went from being a very, very blessed man to what the world would say, having nothing. But listen to me, Job realized he was still blessed. Job 1, 21, Job says, naked I came from my mother's womb. Notice what he's saying. It's nothing about me because I came here with nothing. And what did he say? And one day when I'm going to die and I go on and I'm going to return back to God, guess what? I'm going to go back with nothing. I can't take nothing with me. The only thing I can take with me is my relationship with God. Come on, he said, naked I came and naked I shall return. And notice what he said. It was the Lord who gave. And it's now the Lord that has taken away. And he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. And we've got to read verse 22, man. I I struggle with this, but look what Job did. And it says, in all of this, in losing everything, Job did not sin nor charge God with the wrong. What an incredible statement of his life, losing everything, but yet still never cursed God, still never grumbled and complained against God, still never turned his back on God, but what purposed in his heart that he was still going to live for God. Why? Because he realized the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but guess what? He still got. Come on, he's still God. What does that mean? He's still able. Come on, say that with me. He's still able. I may not have it right now, but God is still able. Come on, I feel like preaching in the house today. God is still able. The ableness of God is available to every one of you today. How could Job not lose his faith? How could Job keep believing? You know why he was able to do that? First and foremost, because he was in relationship with God. He loved God. He was in relationship with God. But it's more, I believe, than just him being in relationship with God. Listen to this. I believe the reason he was able to make it was because he knew it was all God's in the first place. Come on, and he said, and if God, you want to take it all from me, then that's yours to do with. If you want to take it, if that's what you want to do, come on. He said, God, you have the right to do with it and with me whatever you want to do. What about if we could live with that same type of confidence in God? I lost my job. Praise God. God, you give and you take away. God, I'm going to be in church. I'm going to keep being faithful. I'm going to keep trusting you, God. I'm going to keep being a light in darkness. Why? Because, God, that job wasn't mine anyway. You gave it to me, God. And that just means you're getting ready to do something greater in my life. Come on right now. Can you see the parallels of Job's life and where we need to be the confidence that we need to have in a faithful God that will never let us down? You may turn around and say, how can I have confidence? I'm telling you right now, you can have confidence in God, just like Job. You can have that today. Some of you may be sleeping and saying, what What can I have? You can have a confidence in God that no matter what, you're going to still trust Him. And you want to know the first step to having that confidence in God? Here it is. Come on, learn to bring it to God. Come on, you got to learn this. I don't give it, I bring it. 
That's the first step of realization. It's not something I give. Come on, it's something I bring. That's why our message is thanks bringing. It's not about thanksgiving. Oh, and by the way, the end of the story, God blessed Job with twice as much as he had in the beginning. Just wanted to tell you that. Read your Bible. It's some good stuff. You need to read that. You need to know that. But God blessed him with more. I woke up on Thursday morning kind of a little bit early. Judah means praise. Did you know that the word Judah means praise? My little Judah was praising God early in the morning. Come on, his praise wasn't, Lord, I'm pouring out. It was kind of, wah, wah, wah. But he was praising God early Tuesday morning or Thursday morning, whatever morning it was. We don't even know what day it is. It's Sunday, I hope. Is it Sunday today? Just checking, just making sure. Okay, but here's a thought that I woke up with early Tuesday morning. Are you ready? Look at this. When I give, I know how I've given. Let me explain that. When I know I've given, when I give, I know I've given. If I give you $100, I know I have given. Why? Because there's $100 less that I have to spend. Okay? So when I give, notice this, giving equals some type of loss for me. Okay? Now there's joy in giving. Come on. There's a joy in giving. But if I'm giving something to Theo and I'm saying, God, I want to bless Theo. Guess what? That's a loss to me naturally. How many realize what I'm saying? It's a loss to me naturally because I don't no longer have that left for my life. So as we give, we literally lose. But notice this. When I bring, God knows that I have given. Oh, I need to catch this today. When I give, I know I've given. But when I bring, God knows that I have given. And that always equals a gain for me. Because God is the only one who possesses the ability to be able to bless my life. God is the only one, ultimately, that possesses the ability to bless my life. And throughout this month, some of you are going to hear for the first time about the principle of bringing back to God what is His. It's the tithe. Say with me, His tithe. It's the tithe, bringing back to God what is already His. For many of you, it's going to be a reminder. You know this stuff. And good, you're going to be excited about it because it's going to encourage you more in your life. So some of you, it's going to be a challenge because, you know what, I'm kind of struggling with this. And, and for a miserable few, excuse me, but for a miserable few, it's going to be a month off. Some of you are going to turn around and say, man, I'm just not going to come back. Because if they're going to talk about this all month, man, I hate all this. I hate all this money stuff. That's all they want from me. Money, money, money. Come on, forget it. And they want to give and all this kind of, that, that's not part of grace. That's the old covenant. That's Old Testament. All these things. That's what people believe. But here's my prayer for every one of you, that every one of you will open up your heart again to hear, or maybe hear for the first time, to receive the blessings that's attached when we bring God His tithe. The obedience that's connected that will produce blessing to our lives. Here's what I want you to do just really quickly right now. Get out your wallet, get out your checkbook. Just your purse, ladies. I'm not going to take any money from you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take it out right now. And I want you to lift it up right now. Come on, right now. Just lift it up. You know what we're going to do right now? We're just going to pray. We're going to pray that God would speak through His Word and touch our finances right now. That we would really... You know what we're holding up right now? We're holding up what's His. 
And we just want you all to realize that. Come on, would you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray, God, right now. That God, that you would get it out of our hearts. God, that we would realize everything we have is yours. God, we give you our wallets, our credit cards, our checks. We give you everything right now. We give you our finances. And God, we open up our hearts right now to receive. This month is going to be a turnaround month for me. Come on, I'm going to learn about stewardship and being everything that God wants me to be. I'm going to learn that it's all His. I'm going to be a joyful giver. I'm going to surrender to God. And I'm going to see the blessings. Because when I give, I lose. But when I bring to God, come on, He's the one that possesses the power to bless my life. And I speak blessing over my finances right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Put it away quickly, 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 just in case the offering basket comes by. Quickly. But I promise you this, those of you who have been in this church for a while, you have never and you will never hear us forcing anyone or manipulating people to give. We're not about that. We believe in presenting to you the truths of God's word, principles straight from God's word, teaching you the joys and the blessings that are attached to this. Because we want you to be a bringer. But we don't want you just to be a bringer. We want you to be a thanks bringer. Come on, a thanks bringer. And here's our goal. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9, 6. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 says this. But I say, this I say, Jesus again saying these words, he who sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. I like the Message Bible. The Message Bible says, Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. And a lavish planter gets a lavish crop. Verse 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Listen to me right now. What it's speaking about there is each one give as he purposes in his heart. It's not talking about the amount that you should give. It's not talking about that's what I should purpose in my heart. Why? Because God has already been very specific in the amount that should be given. God says bring the tithe. Tithe simply means tenth, one tenth, ten percent. God made it easy. He rounded it up. It's easy to figure it out. So it's not the amount. But listen to me. The purpose that we need to have in our hearts is how we give. It's the motivation, it's the purpose, come on, it's the way that we give to God. And he says, let each one give as he purposes in his heart. And he even tells us the purpose that our heart needs to have, the motive of our heart. He says what? Not grudgingly or of necessity, notice that? So it's what? To give from a heart that wants to freely give to God, that's withholding nothing back. And what is the result? I love the next part. For God loves a cheerful giver. What happens when my heart is right and I give God or bring back to God, which is already his, not grudgingly, not out of compulsion, not someone's holding a gun to my head and say, pay your tithes. But man, I want to do that. What happens? God says there is going to be a cheerful life, a cheerful disposition that is going to come to your life, that God says you'll be a cheerful giver. Come on, you'll be a nice person. Come on, you'll be a good person to be around. God loves a cheerful giver, a willing giver, a good-natured giver, a joyful, a ready, literally a hilarious giver. <laughs> God loves a hilarious giver. You see, I want you to see this. A heart bringing to God with the right purpose produces a cheerful life. 
You'll have joy and fulfillment in your life. I didn't say that all your material things may be presented and given. You may still lack some materially. Come on, there may still be some wants in your life that you're lacking. God never promised to give you your wants. God promised to give you your big difference. Come on, big difference. So there may still be some things in your life that you would say, man, God, I wished you would do this. I wished you would bring that. I wished you would do this. But guess what? Even with those things missing in your life, there'll be such joy and there'll be such fulfillment, just like Job. God gives and takes away, but blessed. Come on, there's a praise that will still come from our life. And you've got to realize that. Money is a test of our faith. Money is a test of our faith. We've got to keep reading on in that scripture if we could. Because verse 8, it doesn't just stop at a cheerful heart and a life. Then there's the return that God speaks of. Look what God says. And God is able. Verse 8, it says, and God is able. Let me tell you something. God is either able or he's not. Come on, don't shout me down with that. God is either able or He's not able. And you've got to make that determination in your life. God is either able or He's not able. Listen to me. He's able to make all grace abound towards you that you, who, you, your life, your future, that you will always having all sufficiency in all things, have an abundance for every good work. New Living Translation says, And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty of it left over to share with other people. This is God's Word, straight from God's Word. That when I have the right purpose in my heart that it's already all His and I'm just bringing back to His the tithe and I'm giving it and bringing it with the right motive, with joy in my heart because God loves a cheerful giver. God says I'll have all sufficiency for my life and there'll even be a little bit left over that I can sow and bless other people because you see there's a, there's a process of sowing and reaping that we're going to see. So God gives you seed that you can then sow so you can see a greater harvest that Will come. Come on, I think I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're responding today. And look what it says in verse 9. It says, As it is written, He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. Now may He, who? God, who supplies seed to who? Supplies seed to the sower. You've got to notice something there. God says, I don't give to the taker. God says, I give to the sower. I give to the one who is sowing. Come on, God can get it to you if God can get it through you. Come on right now. Come on, God says, I give seed to the sower. And God doesn't say, I have to go to Walmart to buy the seed. He doesn't say, I have to go to the farmer's market. Listen, He grows the seed in His own garden. He's got a bountiful supply, a limitless supply that He is able to give. But He doesn't just give it to anyone. He gives it to the sower. He gives it to the bringer, those who are obedient to his word. Come on, this is good stuff. It's bread for food. He will supply and multiply the seed you have. Notice the action as you sow, he multiplies the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Come on, say this with me. Next statement. Look at this. 
No seed in the ground? No harvest. Come on, say with me. No seed in the ground? No harvest. You know why most of your lives are barren? Because you have no seed in the ground. You haven't brought to God what is His. You haven't sown that back into the kingdom of God so God can produce a harvest of blessing that will pour back. Come on, I'm not preaching you. Come on, get rich quick. I'm preaching something that will change every aspect of your life. This is the truth of God's Word. God's going to provide for your life. God's going to give to you. You may be like Job and feel that God has taken away, but let me tell you something. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's still able. He's still got His wife. Come on, nudge neighbor and say, Job's still got his wife. Come on, there's still life. Come on, there's still hope. He can still reproduce. God can still produce and reproduce something through your life as long as there's a seed in the ground. As long as there's a seed in the ground. So we've got to bring to God. Thanks bringing. As I bring to God, listen to this. If you don't hear anything else today, this is probably a great something, a great thought to go home with. As I bring to God, I'm planting my seed of faith into the ground of my provision. I'm planting my seed of faith into my ground of provision. And you know what my provision is? God. I'm planting it in His soil. I'm planting my seed of faith in the ableness and the provision of God. I'm not giving it to my mortgage company. I'm not giving it to my car note. I'm going first and I'm giving it to God. And as I do that, guess what? I'm planting it into the ground of my provision. Sorry I get excited about this kind of stuff. I just love it because it works. It's good stuff. And it's the good stuff I need. I need God's provision in my life. Come on, I need His blessing. I need His finance and favor upon my finances. You know, I need God. You may call it coincidence all you want. I went yesterday to the Pelicans basketball game with my kids, okay? We were in $7 seats in the nosebleeds. Can I tell you, by the end of the game, six rows back, baby, right behind the dugout or the bench of the Pelican players. Why? Someone gave me tickets and said, I've got $177 tickets each. $177 tickets each. You may say, oh, you just made that happen. No, let me tell you something. When you put a seed in the ground, God is able to bless and multiply and give back to your favor and provision for your life. I need the blessing of God in my life. And I demand the favor of God along my life every day. Why? Because he said, I'll give seed to the sower. Come on. He said, I'll multiply the seed that's been sown. Kelly and I give. And sometimes we've given sacrificially. But let me tell you something. God has never let us down and God has blessed us exceedingly abundantly above and beyond really today I'm just laying the foundation my time is completely gone we're just doing the prep work today that which is required for your life do you realize quickly there are more than 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer there are nearly 500 verses in the Bible concerning faith but there are more than 2,000 verses on the subject of money or possessions Twice as many verses in the Bible of of prayer and faith deals with money and possessions. While Jesus was on this earth, he taught 38 um, 38 Proverbs Psalms. He didn't do that. He taught 38 parables. That's the one. At first you don't succeed, try, try, try and try again. There you go. 38 parables Jesus taught. Out of that 38 parables... 16 of them, 42%, almost half of them, were all about finance and about money. Why the emphasis on this? Why would Jesus 
and his timely ministry. He wasn't here for long. And he had only moments on this earth, literally. Why would he concentrate so much? Why was his evidence like that? I'll tell you why. Because clearly from a biblical standpoint, we need to understand money and how to handle it. Money is one of, if not the most major contributors to stress in our life, to problems, to issues that we face. Literally, money and what we do with it sets the course of our lives. Come on. It it affects our health. If you're stressed out about finances, you, your health is, not, is, gonna, is gonna mess up your health. Come on, messes, it messes up relationships. It's gonna make you not talk so nice to your wife and vice versa. Because it puts stress and strains in marriages. Most marriages are divided because of financial stress and pressure. Problems, problems. And like I said, money is actually a test from God. And what do I mean by that? How we handle money reveals volumes about the priorities the loyalties and the affections of your life. Robert Morris in the book, The Blessed Life, he says it this way, talking about money. He says, money, it directly dictates many of the blessings you will or won't experience in your life. It determines whether you will be blessed. It determines whether you will be cursed. Remember earlier I said that when you regard your money as my money, you bring a cursing upon your life? Well, here's what I meant by that. What does it really mean to live a life that's blessed or live a life that's cursed? Here it is. A blessed life means having supernatural power working for you. Did you catch that? A blessed life means having supernatural power, the power of God, working on your behalf, working for you. A cursed life means having supernatural power working against you. And it's not that God is against you and he says, man, I'm going to punish them, I'm going to do that. But what it's really saying is you're turning yourself on to the blessing of God or you're turning yourself off. You can either have God on your side or you can make God an enemy through your finance and through your inability to really trust God. So what have we said, just really quickly, and I've got to bring this to a close today. First thing that we've seen today is if we want to have the confidence of Job's, we've got to realize it's all his. It's all his. Here's the second lesson that we're going to really see real quick. And we preached a, a detailed message on this and keep calm and carry on. Message number seven, first things first. But what we realize is this, second key lesson is God must be first. The principle of first. Look quickly at the principle of firstborn. Exodus 3, 2. Concentrate to me. Give to me the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb amongst the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. Notice God says, it's mine. It's all mine. It's everything is mine. Jump to verse 12 and 13. You shall set apart or concentrate, consecrate, give to me, to the Lord, all that opens the womb that is in every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The male shall be the Lord's. Verse 13. For every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And you will, if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Notice God is saying this. You can either give it to me or you're going to lose it anyway. And remember, we're given seed to what the, so, the one who can multiply. A blessed life is having a supernatural power. So he goes on to say, You shall break its neck, and the firstborn of a man amongst you, your sons, you shall redeem. Come on, say with me these words, sacrifice or redeem. Sacrifice or to redeem. That which was unclean, you had to, what? Redeem. That which was clean, you had to sacrifice. 
When you had a child, you didn't give a sacrifice of your child. You put a lamb. You redeemed. You took the place of your child with a lamb. Notice this. When we were all born into this world, and again, we went into greater depth than this, we were all born unclean. We were born with a sin nature. So therefore, that which was unclean had to be redeemed with that which was clean. That's why the only one who could pay the price for our sins was a spotless lamb, Jesus Christ. That he paid the price for every one of us. Jesus became the sacrifice, God's sacrificial lamb, to redeem us, every one of us, who were unclean. So the clean had to be sacrificed and given to God to redeem those who were in a lost state. Jesus paid the price. He stood in our place. Literally this, God, or Jesus, was God's tithe. For every one of us. He was the firstborn. He was the tithe. He was that which was given for our lives. And the first was given even when nothing else was promised. God says, if you have a sheep, the firstborn belongs to me. Hold on a second, God. What if that lamb never, or that sheep never has another lamb? God says, you've got to trust me. It involves faith. Come on, giving to God involves faith. You've got to trust me. Most of us would turn around and say, well, God, I'll give you the eighth or ninth, because then we'll know that we've got something. God says, no, it's the first. It's the first. It's the firstborn. Even if you're not promised with anything else in return, would you give that to me? You see, this is where most of us fail to see the blessings of God. God because we withhold. It's mine, God. I've got to keep it. It's mine. It's my first. It's this. No, it's all His. Come on. And God must be first with that. Takes faith. Come on. Thanks bringing involves faith. What is the second part of the principle of first we see is the principle of first fruits. Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits. Not just the first fruits, but the first of. He's very clear. Of your land you shall bring into the house of God. God is very specific. He wants the first of the first. In other words, what God is saying is the last of your fruits is not acceptable. Come on, it's not giving your leftovers to God. Here's what we do. We try and figure it all out and say, God, I don't have enough to give to you this month. So guess what? God, I just owe you. And next month, what are you doing? You are cursing your life. Come on, for that time period, you are not blessing your life. Someone gave this illustration once. Tithing is like paying your utility bill. When you pay pay your utility bill, you don't worry about it for another month. Because it's covered, it's taken care of. It's like when you tithe, God's taken care of it. You don't have to worry about that anymore because God's taken care of it. He says, I can handle it. But most of us turn around and say, God, I don't have enough. So God, I can't give to you in the first place. Let me tell you something. He'll give seed to the sower. He'll multiply the seeds that are sown. It takes faith to trust God and put God first. But let me tell you, as you bring and realize it's all his in the first place. God can bless you supernaturally in your life. God wants to be your first. God wants to be your first. And where should that first be given? He's very clear of that. Into the house of God. Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And God says, put me to the test. Maybe some of you need to put God to the test. I'm telling you, you put God to the test. He's never failed. He never will fail in your life. Look at the next scripture, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of your increase. And your barns will be filled. I love this scripture. God showed me this in a new light when I was preparing for this message a few weeks ago. God showed me this and he says, he didn't say your barns will be full. He said your barns will be filled. Because a full barn has the capability to become an empty barn. 
But God says your barns will be filled. Notice this, it's an ongoing thought. It's going to be filled. It's going to be continuously filled. God's going to continue the provision and the blessing because as you bring to God, he can bring it to you. As you put the seed in the ground, he can multiply it. Come on, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. Come on, are you honoring God with what you have? Because it's either going to be consecrated, meaning set apart for God's house and brought back to God, or it's going to be cursed by keeping it to yourself. And when you keep it to yourself, listen, you steal from God. Look what it says in Malachi. It's very clear. It says, will a man rob God? But yet they ask, how have we robbed you, God? And God says, this is how you've robbed me, in the tithes and in the offerings. And as a result, you are cursed with a curse because you have robbed me. The thought is this. You've withheld the blessing of God for your life. You've withheld the ability that God has to be able to bless your life. You have cut off his blessing through your disobedience in your life. To withhold from God, to fail to bring back to him his portion is to have dire effects upon every aspect of your life. Come on, they're not my words, they're his. I just love you enough to tell you the truth. Which leads us to the principle of first, the tithe. It must be first. Leviticus 27.30 And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it's the Lord's and it's holy to the Lord. It's that which must be given first. It's that which redeems the rest. As we give and bring back to God, guess what? He redeems the rest. What does it mean by that? 90% blessed goes a whole lot further than 100% curse. If we put God first, and I know we've covered a lot today, But we've just laid a foundation that we can go. We're giving you a foundation that your life can thrive on. Showing you how you can be blessed. So what's the main points we've covered today? Number one, it's all his. Come on, it's all his. Point number two, we bring it, we don't give it. I can't give what's not mine. Come on, it's all his. I'm bringing it to God. What's the third thing? What we do with it determines whether our lives will be blessed or cursed. It's a test. Money's a test. Test to see. And that's why he had to deal with it so many times, more than prayer and faith, because it's a big test that we have in our lives. And the last thing that we've seen is this, he must be first. The firstborn, the first fruit, the first offering. Second won't do. Whole other message here, but God can't even accept second. Second's not good enough. So this series, I truly believe, we're going to see change in your life. We're going to see change in your marriage. We're going to see change in your health. We're going to see change in your family, your finances. Notice I said finances at the end. Why? Because I believe the principle of first, the principle of realizing it's all God, all these things that we've taught you today are a lot more than just financial blessing for your life. They're going to be complete blessing to your life. They're going to bring you into a great place. That supernatural release of God and that supernatural release of God is going to cross every band and going to go into every area of your life. Come on, release God's ability. Release God's ableness in your life. Come on, I've still got my wife. Come on, Job may have lost everything, but I've still got the ability to produce. Come on, you have it. You may be not using it, but it's right there. As you bring back to God what is His, God will give back to you that which is yours. If you receive that today, stand to your feet with me today. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. 
If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.